I'm ready to deliver the Word of God to you today. Are you ready to receive it? As I always do, I pray that your ears be opened by the supernatural presence of the Holy Spirit to hear what the Lord would say to you today. I pray that your minds would be open supernaturally to understand absolutely everything. And uh, maybe more than anything else, that your hearts would be open to receive absolutely everything that the Spirit of God would have for you today. Can you say amen? Um, this week, a message came to my heart when we were setting up the uh, stable in the cradle uh, scene here, the manger scene. I was standing um, right over here, kind of looking at it from the side because we were thinking about lights. And over the top of the manger, there was the cross. And I thought, what a scene in one eye shot. The cradle and the cross. And I'm entitling today's message, The Great Juxtaposition. I know that juxtaposition is not a word that we often use in our vocabulary. It's not an everyday word. It's a word I like. Uh, it, it means to place something close together or side by side so that you can see the comparison or even more so the contrast, a juxtaposition, the contrast between a manger scene and a cross scene, the great juxtaposition. And I, in my opinion, humble as it may be this morning, no greater juxtaposition than that of the manger and the cross side by side. This, they go together, but they don't go together, if you're following me. The manger that identifies with life, the cross that identifies with death, another juxtaposition. Side by side, life and death, my friends, that is a juxtaposition. And it goes deeper, though, than we can see on the surface with just a major scene on the platform and a cross over on top of the baptistry. I want you to think about a number of different juxtapositions. How about Jesus, the King of glory, King of kings, Lord of lords, King of heaven, the Son of God, born in a cattle stall. There's another juxtaposition. The one who is deserving of a throne in splendor from the heavenlies comes and, and makes his home in a makeshift cattle stall, in a makeshift straw manger in a cattle stall. Think about the comparison there, the thing that stands in contrast. The one who is to be exalted, the one who is to be lifted up, the one who is to be praised and adored comes in a, the place of lowliness. The one who is to be lifted high comes to a place of lowliness. To, for a human to stay in the cattle stall was a place of lowliness. Crazy. Think about it, the cruel cross of crucifixion. A place meant for the guilty, a place of shame that was meant for the criminal, a place of shame that was meant for the convicted, an implement of torture, an instrument of horrible death, the cross, a place of shame. 
the one who deserved only glory, the one who deserved only adoration, and yet he came to a place of lowliness and, and physical body died on a place of shame. It just stands in opposition. Jesus was innocent. Jesus had done no crime. Jesus had done nothing wrong to deserve to be upon that cross. He took upon his shoulders our crimes. He took upon his shoulders our penalties for all the things that we did and took them to the cross of Calvary. So in a sense, we can look at these two things that maybe at first glance stand in juxtaposition to each other and see a connection between the two because quite frankly, both are a source of life to us. Because Jesus ain't on the cross anymore. Of course, he's not in the manger anymore. My wife was uh, noticed that baby Jesus was there Actually, when we set all this up, Tony immediately said, you got Jesus in the manger. You sure Miss Diane's going to like that? And I said, well, let's just see if she notices. She didn't know more and walk in the door out there. And she went, what's Jesus doing in the manger? He ain't been born yet. So somehow I managed to keep him there, at least for this service today. So I don't know. I have a weird brain sometimes, I guess. And uh, I was just sitting in my office and I was writing all the juxtapositions, all the things that stand side by side but are in contrast to each other as it relates to this season that we're celebrating this week. And I got to thinking about the songs that were on the song list today. And I, I said, you know, I just had an inspiration. Let's get the lyrics out. I want to see what the lyrics lyrics are in these songs, and I was kind of looking, I suppose, for contrast, juxtapositions within the songs, and so I took a few lines from here and a couple lines from there and something from the bridge and compiled together some words from each song and then some scriptures to follow. That song we sang, Light of the World, Sing Hallelujah, isn't that a beautiful tune? They did such a great job on it this morning. Born for a cross, to suffer, to save. We are richer by the price that he paid. He will ransom his own and send us straight and lead us straight into glory, and there he shall reign forevermore. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, Who himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we, having died to sins, might live to righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. Again, that by his death we might live. It's an instrument of life now. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Now, I wonder when the last time, when is the last time that you thought about that? That He loves you right where you're at, no matter, this sounds a little like Santa Claus, but I think that this is where it came from. He loves you whether you're naughty or nice. He still loves you. You're still His precious one. I don't gain any kudos with God simply because I'm a believer. Because that would mean that his love is conditional. And we know that his love is unconditional. Now maybe the blessings are conditional, but his love for me 
is unconditional. And when's the last time that you thought about that? Is the love of God is demonstrated in the fact that while you were still rejecting Christ, he died for you. He's your Savior. He's your Redeemer. Even when you're rejecting him as such. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He paid the price. He came in a lowly place, a stable, in a straw manger, and went to a cross, a place of shame, for you and I. And I wonder how often do we consider the cross at Christmas? Again, another juxtaposition. We consider, I can't tell you the number of people that have come in and went, a Christmas present for me! One person said, which one can I have? I said, take whichever one you want. They're all the same. We think of Christmas an awful lot about self. Even when we're giving gifts to other people, we think about how happy we'll be when they open that gift, and self is still involved in the process. So there was another song we sang this morning called A King Like This. Here's some of the lines from that song. A love that would not forsake us. Betrayed and led to the cross for our forgiveness, Christ the Lord, Christ our Savior, I bow my heart before no other name, I bow my heart before no other king. If there's a juxtaposition in our lives, maybe there's one that's hidden, and that is that our, our, our mouth, the things that we say, show that we are bowing to only the name of Jesus and only the King of Kings, but our walk doesn't match our talk, and maybe it doesn't look like what's truly happening on the inside. Maybe this season is more of a time to give than you think, and not just fancy wrapped boxes. Maybe there's something here, something here, something here left to give. I can, sure, I can assure you that in the case of Rick Lopez, there's still plenty left to give my Savior. Y'all are looking at me like a cattle, like a a cow looking at the cattle gate, as one of my friends calls it. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes shall have everlasting life, will not perish, but have everlasting life. First John chapter 1, verse 9. Confess, if we confess our sins, if... We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, and I'll add, at the cross, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches 
of his grace. Now, I don't know about you, but I know within my own story, uh, and this is just my imagination and my human infantile thinking, God had to use more than one jar of grace on old Rick Lopez. I see some nods. You know what I'm saying when I say that. And in the same token, all it took was what? One drop. Pretty amazing. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgression for my own sake, says the Lord, and I will not remember your sins. A king like this. Christ, my Lord. Christ, our Savior. I'll bow to no other name. And I'll bow to no other king. Don't raise your hands. This is a question of introspection, reflection, self-reflection. How many of us bow to the idol of money? How many of us bow to the idol of Facebook? Or should I say, I don't even have it with me, my, the phone, your device. I will bow to no other king. I will bow to no other name. If there was ever a season where it's the season to give, this is the season that we're in. We often think more about it being a season to receive. And I submit to you today that this is the time to give. And I'm not speaking specifically about giving to others. Yes, that certainly is a part of it, but what are you going to give the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? And that leads me to the uh, third song, the one that we did not get to do today, and that was Drummer Boy. And I'll be honest with you, for a long time, I didn't get the whole message behind Drummer Boy because all I could hear was pa rum pa pum pum I was like, where's the message in this Song, pa-rum-pa-pum-pum. And uh, then I got to looking at the lyrics very closely, and I realized, listen, a newborn king I see. This is the drummer boy speaking. A newborn king I see, our finest gifts to bring to honor him. I have no gift fit for a king. So... I'll, I'll just play my drum for him. That gripped my heart. <laughs> it gripped my heart because what it was saying was truly a great, another great juxtaposition. What do I have to bring that's really fitting for a king? If I think I have something fitting for a king, I probably think a little too highly of myself. But what is, in, what is this song saying? Bring what you have. Bring who you are, wherever you are in life. And all this little drummer boy had was a drum. And he said, I don't have anything fitting a king except my ability to play this drum. So I guess this is my gift. What can we do that's deserving of his grace? The question is obvious. Nothing. 
What can we give him that's deserving of what he gave us? The answer is obvious, nothing. What do I have that's fitting to give a king? Well, for the, for the drummer boy, as I said, it was his drum. So guess what he gave? All he had. He gave himself. He gave everything that he had. And that's all that you and I need to do as well, is to just give what we have, give ourselves to him, lock, stock, and barrel, every part of who we are. Mind, heart, emotions, future, goals, will, thoughts, words, actions. Bring it to him. Give it to him. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You see, what do you have to give when you come to him? Do you know what you have? You have your best and you have your worst. All of us are made up of the best and the worst of us. And some good in between it all. Right? The best of us and the worst of us. This song, Drummer Boy, amen, has really struck my heart. So you simply have to come as you are, and guess what he will do? He will receive you just as you are. You don't have to get everything squared away and get everything fixed up for him to receive you. That's not how his love works. As a drug addict for many years, or I should say an addict, period, I was addicted to so many different things, it's ridiculous. And sometimes in the midst of all of that addiction, I would have times when I grew weary or tired of the thing that was giving me my next thrill, and I would run to God because he was my next thrill. And I would run hard to God with all of my vigor, just like any addict does. They run as fast and as hard as they can for the very thing that makes them feel the best at that given moment. And I would run to God. And it would only last a short time, and I was bored with God. And I'd run back to whether it was the booze or the drugs. And when it finally, it was little Emily, it was the one that turned my whole life around. You all know that story. And uh, it's not the refrigerator story, it's another story. Um, how many of you remember the other story? How many don't think they know what I'm talking about? I get to tell that story again. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I had made a, a pledge within my heart that I was, I don't believe it was a spoken pledge, it was a pledge within my heart in all of my drug days that whenever I had a child, Drugs were done. That was over. I wasn't going to bring up my babies uh, around drugs. That was just some inner conviction that I had. And uh, I remember Emily was born. I don't remember how old she was. She was maybe just a few weeks old, and I was still smoking pot. And uh, I was holding her in my arms, uh, as, as I often did, and just looking at her, and she was looking up at me, and I was probably Googling her more than she was Googling me, but not Googling. Googling is now a different word. They didn't have Google in those days, so I was ogling, Googling, whatever. I was eyeballing her. 
I'm looking at her. She's beautiful. And so she was looking at me, and we were having this thing. And all of a sudden, I felt like I needed to get high. And so I went down the basement, and I smoked a big one. And I came back up, and I picked her up. Oh, I should add, I did not take her in the basement with me to smoke a big one. <laughs> I left her upstairs. And I should say, not alone. Diane was there. So I'm going to get all my stuff cleared up here. And I came back up, and I was high. And I picked her up and put her back in my lap, and we began to look at each other again. And for whatever reason, I had this paranoid sense that she knew that I was different. And it caused my heart to wrench inside of me because I remembered a vow that I had made personally that I wasn't going to raise up my kids around drugs. I doubt that she knew that I was different, but that's what was being spoken in my heart. And I made a decision that day to stop smoking pot. Well, that wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be, as Diane can attest that I was pretty much a mess once I got off the weed. And I needed help. And eventually I looked to Diane and I said, I, I need help. I don't know what to do. Uh, she got me connected with uh, Narcotics Anonymous. And the very first thing they did when we got together was say a prayer of serenity. And I'm like, no! I'm not ready for God! That brings me to the point of my story. Is I felt like I needed to get some stuff fixed before I came to God. Because for so many times I had rejected God, I had failed God, I had ran away from God, and now this time I said, Lord, I'm going to come back to you, but I'm going to get some stuff squared away before I come back to you. Now, if that's not the great juxtaposition, I don't know what is. Because I don't come to God with all my stuff fixed. I come to God with all my stuff broken. And he receives me just that way. Broken. And it's through that process that I'm still on the journey of being fixed today. Praise God. So all you got to do is simply come, and he'll receive you just the way you are. You don't have to get nothing right before he receives you. You just come. He'll make everything new. He'll make every day feel like a brand new day. It'll be a journey and it can be trouble. But you know what? Every day is going to be amazing. And all we need to do is give him ourself. Not just part, but all. And as I said, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, as I prepare to close, he says, Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Revelation 22, verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anybody who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. You see, what we see within eyeshot here may seem to be a paradox, the place of birth, the place of death, the place of life, the place of death. And this is when he came in his advent to make a way for me to come, advent, come to him. And he did that through the cross of Calvary. So I can look at these two symbols and say they represent a changed life. 
a rescued life. I am a rescued life. I'm a changed life because of the lowly manger and the place of shame, a cross. He took my shame. He took your shame. He took my guilt. He took your guilt. He took my pain. He took your pain. He took my sickness. He took your sickness. He took my depression. He can take your depression. He took my thoughts of self-destruction. He can take your thoughts of self-destruction. He, he took my thoughts of thinking that I was completely unworthy of anything, especially the love of a beautiful woman. And he will take your unworthiness, your sense of self-degradation, and he'll bring you to a place of life as well. And all you have to do is do what I did. Come. Come to him. Run to him. I remember the day that I realized that it was in fact God that I needed to run to to restore my life to sanity. I wasn't going to get this fixed without him. In the process of trying to get my bubble back in the middle, if you will, to get my life back within balance. I would run away from the house in the evenings and I would go down to a, a church that was down the street and they would be having service inside and I would sit, I would just sit on the steps out front of the service so I could hear them singing and praying and preaching because I knew, in fact, that God was my only answer. But for whatever reason, I felt like I needed to fix some stuff before I came to him. Let me help you with something, folks. Come to him broken. Come to him wanting. Come to him humbled and lowly. Come to him destitute. And he will love you and he will he'll receive you right where you're at. And he'll pick you up and he'll wipe off the dirt and he'll make you feel clean again. And he'll give you a brand new fresh start on life. This, my friends, I can guarantee. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I take pause at this moment because I do want to give an altar call, but I often choose to not just give the rote end of message altar call or to try to give the emotional words that cause people to react or take an action based on the eloquence of speech or the emotions of speech because you and I know that I'm that's a part of my job as a pastor and a preacher is to give you an opportunity to respond to Christ I recognize that but I don't want you responding to me I want you to respond to the tug on your own heart. And sometimes that's about coming to the front to an altar. Sometimes it's about coming to the front and shaking the preacher's hand. I don't know why specifically because there is no power in the handshake. The power is in you believing in your heart. The power is in you confessing with your mouth. If I will stand someday and you will stand someday alone by yourself in judgment before God, 
then as well, how you come to him is very much a personal decision. Yes, a public confession comes thereafter, but it starts with a personal decision to give your all. That's what I'm talking about today, friends. It's not about coming into this Christmas season considering all the wonderful gifts you might get. But about the one gift that you can actually give. Those of you that are holding on to hurt, those of you that are holding on to pain, those of you that are holding on to unforgiveness, those of you that are holding on to so-and-so did such-and-such to me, so-and-so said such-and-such about me on Facebook, etc., 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 and you're holding on to that with some pain today, this season is time to shake it off and give your whole self to him. What do you have fitting for a king? I dare say nothing but yourself. Would you bow your heads with me? I'm going to ask that all of you repeat this prayer with me. This is not a contrived prayer. Dear Father, I give you my heart. All that I am, I give to you. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me, say it, of holding on to my past, the hurt, the pain, the rejection, the abandonment. Today, Lord, I give it to you. Thank you for coming in a cradle, and thank you for going to the cross for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a praise in the house of God. Hallelujah. Now, if you said that prayer for the very first time and you meant it, I'd sure love to know about it. I'm going to encourage you to, to come to me after church and just say, Pastor, I, I said that prayer. In fact, is our altar ministry team prepared this morning? Let's have our altar ministry team come forward for a, a minute or two following the dismissal to my right and to my left. And they'll be here as well. If you made that decision today, you said that prayer, whether it was the first time or it was a recommitment, I want you to come today, whether to me or whether to our prayer team, and just say, that prayer was for me today, and they're just going to pray with you for a minute. That's all it is. Are you blessed? Stand with me as I dismiss you today want to remind you that there'll be no midweek service this Wednesday night. We will have a candlelight service on Christmas Eve. That's Thursday night at 6 o'clock. We have plenty of seating for everyone, I pray. And this year we're also going to be live streaming the uh, candlelight service. And so we'll all be able to uh, watch it whether we're here or whether we're not. But we encourage you, come on out and let's celebrate um, Thursday night together. Amen. I pray that the Lord bless you and that he keep you and that he make his face shine upon you and he be gracious to you and his countenance go before you and he strengthen you and he give you peace in the name of Jesus. Amen. I call you blessed and Merry Christmas to each and every one of you. See you soon.